the Make Time to Play podcast with me, Georgia Jones, brought to you by the Make Time to Play campaign. Make Time to Play provides parents and carers with hundreds of free play ideas and resources to keep your little ones entertained, whilst talking about the various benefits of play that aids child development. You can download the free Make Time to Play app on iOS and Android for more than 450 play activities which allows you to filter the activities by your child's age, your play setting and number of children playing. I had a lovely chat on today's episode with Faith Robin from the National Deaf Children's Society. Faith is deaf herself and spoke to me about how the NDCS support deaf children by removing barriers to help children reach their potential. We also discuss play being inclusive and how it helps deaf children communicate with their peers and how play is their own form of language in the early years. So Faith, obviously you work for the National Deaf Deaf Children's Society. That's a mouthful actually. (laughs) So what is your role? What do you do within it and what actually do they do for children in general? So the National Deaf Children's Society, it's easier to just say NDCS actually if you want to. Um, Yeah. They have, um, their heartbeat really is for children and families. They want to be kind of leading charity that you would go to if you were concerned or had any worries or you need support um, with your child who is deaf. Um, They are, the the National Deaf Children's Society is all about removing barriers um, for every deaf child. So every deaf child can reach their potential. Um, And I think... Actually, being deaf myself, and you may resonate with this, is that actually the medical model of what might be wrong with my ears um, doesn't actually get in the way of so many things as the social issues, um, that if more people understood what they could do to help me, what the tiny, tiny things they could do differently, um, that would make such a massive difference to what, how I access things, the more people that understand that, the more barriers we can break down for deaf children. That really, it's a, it's a, a lot of the things that they're gonna come up against are social difficulties. Um, their loss of hearing doesn't stop um, all that kind of excitement and play and wanting to learn and um, having relationships that are really meaningful and special, just like everybody else. Um, but those social barriers that they come up against can be really, um, really kind of stop our progress. And that's what the National Deaf Children Society is all about, um, removing barriers for every deaf child. Um, and within that, I manage the Bright Start team, uh, which is all about early years, about early intervention, um, and really supporting families at that earliest stage when you discover you have that diagnosis, you find out that your child has got some level of hearing loss. We're really here to support you um, from that point and to provide activities, resources, um, a friendly person to talk to, to kind of guide you through all those emotions that you're feeling um, as a parent at at that very early stage um, in your journey, really. I could have done with you. 
I could have done with you when I was little because I um, definitely um, struggled with the learning side. And I do think massively, I mean, me blaming it on my hair and it could just be that I'm not actually that bright. But (laughs) I honestly think me not hearing a lot of things um, in class was a huge part of my learning um, because often even the teachers would say to me, because I would put my hand up again and again and again asking questions because I hadn't heard. And they got to a point where they would get frustrated with me and be like, oh, Georgia, we'll explain it to you later. And they never did. And I never got explained, you know, I never got that thing explained to me. And then I'd just go along not knowing. And yeah, not actually feel having the confidence to then yeah. ask again. Because yeah. I'd already asked so many times and they would get frustrated, which I find with hearing loss, that is something that people who have hearing seem to do quite quickly is get frustrated that you can't hear what they're saying. Um, now, play is a really important part for for deaf children. Um, why do you think it is so important for the deaf children? I think um, play is absolutely crucial in early years development because play is how we show what we know. It's how children um, practice things. It's how they demonstrate their skills. Um, Say you've been to the shop and then you've bought something, you've been with your family, then you might come home and you practice that piece of learning in your play. Um, and you kind of you will unpack it really through a really inclusive and safe and child-centered way that play is is all about you isn't it you're at the center you're really thinking and feeling um, all of these things that you're learning about and you're just um, you're demonstrating those skills and you're building on those skills Um, and I think you, you can't um, underestimate the importance of the early years because our children's brains are developing at, at such a rapid, rapid rate um, from being in the womb, that first, really, that first thousand and one days. So from being in the womb right up until that child is two and beyond, but that time is when there, I think there's a million brain connections a second happening within those first 1,001 days. Yeah, a million a second. And that is where all those connections are made. I'm thinking this, somebody said this, I've noticed this, that links to some other part of my learning, and it's all kind of connecting up there. So you can't ever underestimate how powerful those years are. Um, and play is is the context really where all learning happens. Um, so if you were to take it away, then there really isn't that language left for the children to use. They that that is their that is their language really. That's how they communicate what they're doing, and how they communicate what they're interested in as well. Um, and as parents, I think it's one of the most significant things you can do to support your child's learning and this might sound silly but to really get to know your child um really spend that time 
um, prioritizing play and thinking, what is it that my child is interested in? What is it that drives them? What cues are they giving me? Um, how do I know really what, because we want to follow their interests because when we are playing and we're especially repetitive play, it's our brain kind of saying, I like this, I'm mastering this skill and I want to do this over and over and over again. So when we see that happening as parents, we're thinking, oh, something exciting is happening here and we really need to follow that child, their child lead, um, come alongside them and extend that play and kind of watch it grow, but also add things in to kind of take it onto a new direction really and help children to, to move forward. And I suppose as well for children that, that, yeah, and for children that are hard of hearing or completely deaf, I suppose that's one thing where they can really kind of thrive because it's a doing thing. It doesn't revolve around having to listen or having to stop and lip read or sign. It can actually be physical and someone can play alongside them and get involved without it having to be them kind of really having to use that pop, that part of their brain where they're having to really focus. They can actually enjoy the play, can't Lots they? of different types of play. So like a solitary play where you're really happy, you're in your own world, you're, you know, this is all really exciting for you and it's your play and you're very focused. Um, and children will dip in and out of that kind of play all the way through their childhood, really. Um, but then, of course, what we're really hoping for children and what we really, we know we're, uh, as humans, we are hardwired for relationships. Um, you can't get away from it. That That is how we function, is through relationships. And play is the perfect tool to build relationships because, because it is naturally inclusive. Um, you can join in somebody else's play. You can work together to kind of create something new collaboratively. All those skills that we're using now as adults stem from our play and how we interact with each other, um, how we view ourselves as well. And I think that's so important for deaf children um, that that they really value themselves as like they can make a positive contribution, um, that they are part of something special and that they are special, uh, that as they get older, all those things that we pour into our children, that we want them to have that self-confidence and resilience and self-esteem, um, a lot of those skills are, they have to be practiced. I don't think they happen necessarily on their own, but they come through play. And through pushing boundaries and testing ideas and, you know, you might use your um, your little small world figures to play out a situation and that has different endings and how does so-and-so feel about that and thinking about empathy. Um, play is um, the vehicle that we use for, for pretty much everything, but our interactions, interaction through play um, is so crucial for setting the scene really for what happens way beyond when we're three, four, five, um, you know, and how we feel about ourselves. And is there any any type of play, talking about like play kind of teaching children things, is there any type of play that kind of helps a child understand their hearing disabilities? Um, I think 
I think you could probably, I think it's it's important that um, we use things in play that reflect um, deafness, if you like, that we, that it's not something that's just you and only you um, who's got hearing aids or cochlear implant or that there are stories and books and toys and figures and, you know, represented in the media, um, you know, all around us. I think that when we include um, people who are like us, um, because we all gravitate, don't we, towards people who are similar to us in lots of ways. We click with people that we kind of resonate with, and that can be on a personality basis, but also in terms of uh, our, our hearing loss as well. And I think children need to be able to see themselves reflected in their friends, in their kind of circles, their environment, their, and their toys as well. Um, and that's not always easy, I don't think, with um, deaf children. There are resources out there and um, on our website, and there are lots of lovely stories that are written by deaf children for deaf children, which are lovely. Um, that really kind of reflect that deafness in stories and things. But I think that that is a good place to start. Yeah, I suppose because because deafness isn't always a visible disability. So it's quite a hard one sometimes to show on the telly or, you know, in mm. children's cartoons, unless mm. kind of there's a very obvious hearing aid. It's quite hard to show that, that you know, that character is deaf sometimes yeah. so it is it's one of those I suppose it's one of those disabilities that is quite hard to show to children with um sign language though is there a way of um in, involving sign language and play yes absolutely and and I think you're absolutely right when you say that it's a bit of an invisible um disability because like you said before about um people getting frustrated and annoyed because it's not obvious, they'll forget um, that actually you can't hear very well. Or because you do such a good job of keeping up, such a good job of filling in the blanks, that um, actually people forget that they need to just change what they're doing slightly. So yes, it is an invisible thing a lot of the time, which does make it a little bit more challenging. Um, but part of and part of the National Deaf Children's Society's role um, which is really important to the charity, is informed choice. So giving parents all the information that they need so that they can go away and make a decision about what's best for their children, best for their family. And that might be to use sign language. Um, it might not be. Uh, every family is different and sign language kind of is, isn't used across the board for everybody who has a hearing disability. But I think actually, having worked in early years settings myself with big groups of children, that using sign to support what we're doing is hugely beneficial to all children. Um, but obviously, yes, if we support what we're doing with sign and really simple sign, so say you're reading a story, um, if you've got the book and you've also got props, so a visual cue, about what's happening in the book and you've got a sign, then you're kind of coming at it from all angles and you're helping that child to make the connection between what's happening in the book, 
what that might be, kind of what that might look like. Um, say it's an elephant sound in the book, then you've got an elephant toy to hold up, and this is an elephant, this is the sound it makes. And then you've also got the sign as well of the elephant um, to support that. So yes, absolutely, S sign can play a massive part in our singing, um, action songs, storytelling, but also really simple cues that happen throughout the day that you can support with um, with simple, really simple signs. Um, and I think part of the difficulty around sign language is that if you attended a sign language course, it wouldn't really be, it would be about holidays, it would be about food, um, be about hobbies. And when you're talking to your three-year-old, you don't necessarily want to talk about where you went on holiday and what transport you used. <laughs> it's like learning in a language, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, if, if you wanted to um, use a language with children, then you have to really immerse yourself in that language to really fully understand it. And if you're kind of picking up the odd sign here or there and trying to help children to understand it when you don't fully understand it yourself, then it's quite disjointed um, and can be difficult to do. So using sign to support um, spoken language is a really lovely way of kind of that gradual introduction. Um, and the National Deaf Children's Society run family sign language um, courses, which are really specific around the signs that you're going to be using um, day to day with your children rather than the kind of broad spectrum of BSL. And is it kind of like age related? Do they see, do they kind of go with how old your child is and kind of teach you like the the slang that that child might be using or yes yeah, so it will be geared to a certain age group and families will join with similar age children so you might learn typical nursery signs um food signs routine and then as you get older kind of signs you need in school and supporting you know teachers and practitioners as well because they are really key um when it comes to how comfortable and safe deaf children feel outside of their home um, if you take away that kind of communication actually we feel really unsure like you've, you've said exactly you hit the nail on the head that confidence to really join in and it's so frustrating because you know that you've got this personality inside of you that's totally capable of being a part of this but because of this barrier that maybe doesn't need to be there I can't access what you're doing um, yeah, it, it's difficult. I I really noticed that the whole the whole kind of personality of me when I was a when I was little, it didn't come out. It was it was in there. I knew it was in there, but I was this quiet, quiet little child because I wasn't heard basically, and I didn't hear. It was kind of like, you know, yeah. a vicious circle, really. And it was only yeah. until I started feeling confident enough to say oh actually I can't hear properly so that's why it was only until I got a little bit older and I, I felt confident enough to be like yeah I'm deaf in one ear so what um yeah. that I then kind of came into my own and developed that confidence but you know until you until you realize that it's not something to be ashamed of or upset about or you know embarrassed of it's very yeah. difficult to break out of that little unconfident kind of shell yeah um and it was funny before you were saying about how um 
you know, you adapt and people almost don't notice, don't necessarily no. notice that you've got a disability. Um, I feel like I've adapted massively and I didn't realise until COVID hit how yeah. much I lip read. And I yeah. had no idea um, how much I relied on it. And as soon as everyone started wearing masks, well, I was, I, it was like, it was almost like I'd lost part of my hearing. Like, yeah. I was like, have, am, I, have I, am I going more deaf? Or am I just mm. like completely reliant on people's lips? Yeah. <laughs> and clearly yeah. I was. Yeah. Have there been a lot of kind of parents contact you saying like their children are struggling since mask yeah. wearing's become yeah. a thing? It is a really, really difficult thing. And I think there's a big campaign, NDCS, um, around mask wearing, especially in school and in nursery. Because you're right, you take away... If you think about how much body language and lip reading goes on anyway, whether you're hearing or deaf, but when you're deaf, you rely on it so, so much to to take it away completely um, makes the most basic and simple of tasks really quite challenging so and I think that has a big knock-on effect on confidence to do the most basic thing so I know if I if I want to go to the shop I'm thinking about what are they likely to ask me am I going to pay by card do I want a bag and once I've worked out those things I can just about work it out but if they ask me anything outside of that I'm like oh I haven't got a clue um and, and that really knocks your confidence. And you think, well, I won't ask if they've got any of that or where I might find that because I know when they answer me, I'm probably not going to be able to work it out anyway. And I think for children, you know, for children who are really relying on body language and on watching their teachers, um, it's really, really difficult for them. And sometimes you think it's actually so simple if they just had a clear clear mask that would be yeah would solve so many problems i've actually got so one have you yeah yeah they do that so, yeah i do um i mean the thing is i don't really need to wear it's more i need everyone else to wear it for me <laughs> rather than me wearing it but um yeah a, a, there's a, a company called fask and this and um yeah them and they're amazing like such a great idea it's a shame it's not kind of like just a compulsory thing for everyone's masks to be see-through so you can see people's yeah. mouths yeah. um but it's obviously you know it's obviously a bit of a a barrier for for children at the moment but is there any other obviously aside from mask wearing is there any other barriers when you know when children are playing um you know because because they are deaf yeah yeah i think I think there are lots of barriers that don't really need to be there at all. So if you think about um, just when you're playing or when you're busy and you're little and you're focusing, um, even when you're not little and you're trying to focus, if the television is on, um, you go into some um, like nurseries and they've got music playing constantly. Um, you might be at home playing and the washing machine is on. Um, all of those kind of background noises do create barriers to learning um and so when you're playing especially if you've decided right i recognize how important this play is and i'm really going to factor it into our routine at home um and we're going to play at this time this i'm going to really focus then just make sure that you turn off 
all the background noise um, while you're deciding to do that. Um, the smallest, simplest thing um, can make such such a difference. Um, and I think other barriers, I think for parents especially, is that independence, isn't it? That you you really want your child to be independent and you want, especially when you're outdoors enjoying play outside, you want your child to be able to go off and explore, but then you know that once they're out of a certain range, they're not going to be able to hear you calling them anymore. And do you feel safe in that situation? And you want children to be able to take risks and to build up their own kind of sense of um, achievement that they've done something for themselves, by themselves. So kind of overcoming situations like that and making sure that everyone feels safe and that children understand, you know, what, what it is they need to do in different situations. And even if it's just like a radio aid, you know, you can clip to, they link to your hearing aids, the parent can wear it. And when they talk, it kind of Bluetooth that information straight to your child's oh, ears. Oh, right. Yeah. So then they can hear you. That's from, amazing. It, yeah, yeah. It makes quite oh, a big difference. I need one of those on my child. <laughs> and he's not even deaf. I just need him to have that on him at all times. You're like, oh, God, mum's calling. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like That'll make him listen. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, do you know, it's so interesting when you talk about boundaries for children, actually going into adult life, those boundaries are still there. But because, and with, you know, wonderful, like, the things like what you guys do, it teaches them to then deal with those situations. So the, the boundaries are still there, but mm. you can deal with them. Like, for instance, when you said about the whole background noise thing, that is one massive thing for me. But all my best friends who I've grown up with, who have known I've been deaf since you know we started school together, they all know they have to walk on this side of me. They yeah. all know that if we are at a meal, which is very always really hard for me because I just can't hear when there's so much background noise. They all know I will have a specific place on the table where I need to sit. Mm. And they don't question it. You know, it's, that is what yeah. it is. I just have to sit in a certain place. And that's yeah. it. It's those boundaries that, you know, you teach the children. They're there, but you can do things to break them down and you can do things to make them easier. Yeah, yeah. And I think the more grown-ups who understand that that child needs that special seat there and if we just sit round in a horseshoe shape um rather than a straight line then all the children can see each other's faces and that child will be able to access this you know it, as long as those people are there because once we're adults we've got that confidence hopefully to say uh this isn't working for me please can you just but when you're when you're little, um, you just don't always have that confidence or that voice to be heard in that way. So it's really NDCS is really about building that confidence and self-esteem because resilience for deaf children is really, really important because we know that they're going to face barriers and we know that they're going to have to um, sometimes overcome them without as much support as we would hope would be there for them. Um so it really sometimes you really need to dig deep and think how am I going to get through this or how can I um, develop the confidence to ask for that but yeah absolutely I think that medical and social model of disability is really apparent when it comes to deafness because a lot of the time it's a social thing um, that makes life mm. more difficult and um, 
when we're playing, um, a lot of the time as play develops, so like collaborative play uh, will be something that happens kind of as we get older, where other children are part of the planning of that play. Um, play can move really, really quite quickly. So what was a fire station can suddenly become a vet. Um, and what who who was the you know the pilot is suddenly the milkman and um, because play moves so quickly and for a deaf child who's not picking up on that incidental learning they're not picking up on that conversation that's happening behind them they can very quickly be left out of that play because they can't keep up with the pace of it because it involves lit reading so your friend Johnny that's just run across to the climbing frame and decided to, to t- turn it into, I don't know, a space mountain, and you're over here, you've missed that. So we really need adults, parents, people working with the children to be a part of that play if we can, so that they can not, not you know, you don't want someone to say, right, so that, that, um, that climbing frame over there, it was space mountain, but now it's turned into the police station. Do you understand? That's not really what we need. What we need is someone to come alongside us and rephrase, recapture what's happening. Um, Oh, isn't it exciting that that's turned into the police station now? I wonder what will happen next. So then that deaf child's like, all right, okay, I know what's happening now. I've got total free access to this now. Thank you so much for just rephrasing that for me. Um, So it's about strategies, I think, and just really simple techniques to um to really support children while they're playing which is so important and obviously toys are a big a big part of kind of play as well as well as kind of like the role play side of things and do you think that do you think toys can help as well with the learning and development of deaf children yes so for very young children that kind of cause and effect toy um is really helpful so when you press a button something lights up or a sound is made um sometimes they can be quite good um but really a lot of the time we don't need anything specific or special um music music is a fantastic resource for children when it comes to deafness and play and you don't need special instruments or toys for that but just you know your pots and pans wooden spoons the whisk um because children will really feel vibrations and pitch and frequency, um, you know, in a really quite meaningful way when, because we feel all these sounds through our bodies and about tuning into that. Um, So I wouldn't say there's anything specific, any related toys, but just to kind of be open-minded, open-ended resources that don't have a fixed this, this means this, and I dress up in this suit to be this person, but just have that kind of open access to using our imaginations, really, um, for deaf children is really important. It's interesting because I think, like, one toy that I would have probably gone, oh, that wouldn't work, would be an instrument. Because I would yeah. be like, well, they won't be able to, to hear it. But, of course, you forget children that are deaf can totally hear, feel vibrations and that's yeah. a big part yeah. of their yeah. learning. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and we really connect with music and you, you can feel it. Um, and, you know, so 
I don't know if you're the same, but with my deafness, I love music. I absolutely love music, but I can't hear lyrics. So I couldn't tell you at all what any of the words are. <laughs> but I love the tune and the melody and the way it makes me feel. Um, so, you know, I, I, would, I am deaf, but um, there are definitely some massive benefits to music about how we feel um, and how we connect with um, music, really. And for early years, children, especially, because our ears are on all the time. So they're always hearing um, whatever kind of our level of hearing is. Our ears are always hearing, but we're not always listening. Um, listening is a real skill. So you can know that people are talking behind you, but you don't know what they're saying because you're not tuned in. Um, you're not listening. So that's a massive um, part of learning and play, that skill of tuning in to listen to something. Um, so... So we might make, you know, you get an Alice band, a headband, and make some massive cardboard listening ears, um, and you go outside with your listening ears on, and you're kind of really tuning in to what sounds you can hear. Um, so really helping children to think about, just think about sound, think about, but, you know, we need to make sure that we're not making things too difficult. Um, we need to work out what sounds can our children hear, and what kind of music is appropriate, what instruments would be good, um, and then making all of those things available. So things like stopping when the music stops, running, 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 and then stop, or making our bodies really long and tall when the sound is high and squeaky and making ourselves low to the ground when it's a low sound, and things like that. There's lots of different ways that we can play um, with music. Yeah. That's amazing. I bet a lot of people are quite surprised to to hear that. Um, what you were saying about you not being able to hear the lyrics. I was quite similar to that for a long time when I was listening on headphones because I did not realise that I could change my headphones to just come out of one ear. So I was listening to all these songs and then I met my husband, who's a musician, who was like, why have you got sounds coming out of your right ear, right headphone, if you can't hear? And I was like, I did not know that was a thing. I did not know I could change that. Anyway, then he changed it into just one ear. And I was like, oh, my God, I can hear, like, words and different instruments and, like, lyrics that I didn't realise were in the song. And I was like, this has changed my life. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know you could do that. I couldn't yeah. believe it. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, you can. Yeah, so that's like definitely something that like, you know, any child that kind of like has less hearing in one ear should absolutely do because, you know, yeah. it, it's like something, you know, it like opens a new world up to you. However, I do always, always walk along with both headphones in purely because I don't ever want anyone to think I'm being rude. Yeah. But yeah. by, by them talking to me and me just ignoring them and them thinking that I can hear if this, this headphone's out when actually... <laughs> oh, yes. But, you know, that is a difficulty. Oblivious. I think, you know, I think that's a difficulty. And, and my friends that I talk to now, they'll say, oh, when I first met you, I thought you were really rude. And Yeah, I get, I get that all the time. Yeah, or we really stuck up. I was like, yeah. no, I'm not at all. I'm none of those things, but... No. 
but I just didn't know you were even speaking to me. <laughs> yeah, um, honestly, the amount of times that actually when I met um, the McFly, like wives and girlfriends for the first time, I made, without realising, the most horrendous first impression because <laughs> they'd been on my wrong side and one of them had been talking to me for about 10 minutes and I'd literally just blanked her, just completely ignored everything she said. <laughs> Obviously, I hadn't heard a word she was saying, but it was only it was only afterwards when she found out I was deaf in one ear and she was like, you know, when I was like talking to you when, when I first met you, could you hear me? I was like, oh my God, I did not know you were talking to me. She was like, oh, I thought you were so rude. And I was like, oh my God, that kills me. I hate it. So now, actually now I learned from that. And that was quite later on in life. You know, I was in my twenties at that point. Now, if ever I meet anyone new, no matter whether I've only known them for a minute, I will always say, just so you know, completely deaf in this ear. So if I ignore you, I'm not being rude. I just haven't heard you. Yeah. Yeah, it, that, you just have to say yeah. it, don't you? And get to the point where you think, oh, I better say something because yeah. I don't want anyone to think I'm yeah. um, No, I think I've got a bit of a serious face as well when I'm like just not, you know, just not in conversation. So <laughs> that teamed with uh, seemingly ignoring mm. someone does not go not go hand in hand. <laughs> no, I'm not um, But... Faith, it's been so, so lovely talking to you. Um, it's so super interesting. But just before we go, um, could you just let us know how we find out about more resources? Uh, where do we go? Okay, so if you go to um, the National Deaf Children's Society's website, um, so www.ndcs.org, um, I think it is, it's so much information on there for um, you to you know, kind of utilise as a parent, as a practitioner in early years or across the board really of all children's age ranges. And there is a most fantastic helpline. Um, so, you know, if you want to talk to an audiologist, you want to talk to a teacher of the deaf, you know, you just ring the helpline um, and somebody will be able to get back to you. You know, because emotions can be very raw, can't they? At, at that very early kind of finding out um, and you don't really know what to do or who to go to for support. So the helpline supports so many people um, through kind of understanding um, terminology and different types of deafness, um, audiograms that you will get as a parent to show your child's hearing loss. So definitely go to the website. Um, in terms of early years and bright start, we've got some great things that you can access through Zoom. Um, we've got baby signs, so we're going to be singing and storytelling with signs. Um, and you can, it's not available just yet, it'll be coming out on the website really soon. Um, so you can just join that on, on a Zoom link with your child, with your baby, and just have fun together. Um, and also your community. If you're a parent and you want to talk to other parents, because that's such an important part of all of this, is having that peer-to-peer -peer kind of conversation then there's um part of the website is your community and it's just a forum to just talk and discuss things and listen to other people's ideas and solutions and um kind of get support that way so definitely go to the website go to the helpline amazing well thank you so much faith that's absolutely wonderful um and i'm sure that will help a lot of people 
um, you know, of where to go and what to do and how to help their little ones. So thank you yeah. so much for chatting with us today. Oh, thank you for having me. I've really enjoyed it. I absolutely loved chatting to Faith. It was so interesting to hear all about the ways in which children can engage in play, particularly through musical play and how they can feel the vibrations with the instruments, which is something I'd never thought about before. The work the National Deaf Children's Society is doing is incredible. And if you would like to learn more information about the NDCS, please visit ndcs.org.uk. To access Make Time to Play's Toy and Play leaflet for young deaf children, please visit maketimetoplay.co.uk.